0: Welcome to the Dare to Multiply podcast. On this podcast, we help passionate Jesus followers become courageous, obedient disciples who impact their communities for the kingdom of God. I'm your host, Cynthia Anderson, a disciple multiplication coach and trainer. I'm going to show you how to make and multiply disciples in your area. God's got great things ahead for you. Let's Dare to Multiply today on the dare to multiply podcast i'm talking with fred barrington he's a youth with a mission frontier missions leader one of our team four members and a leader in africa he and his wife paula went to an unreached area in mozambique and invested their lives in training and making disciples. He's gonna tell his story today about that, how they found persons of peace and the amazing growth that has taken place there. He's also gonna be talking about Africa and what God is doing in Africa and through Africans today. So we will be right back with that in just a moment. Are you busy but not seeing the fruit you long for? Dissatisfied with your present level of impact on those around you? Are frustrated with traditional methods of discipleship that don't seem to be effective? If so, the Getting Started in Disciple Making Movements course may be just what you need. Inside the Getting Started program, you'll get access to a step-by-step proven approach to making and multiplying disciples. Not only will you receive 25 short and practical video teachings spread out over six modules, But you'll have a chance to connect with others for group coaching via our monthly Zoom calls. And even more importantly, you'll become part of a global community of like-minded people from all over the world who are passionately committed to following Jesus and impacting others around them. If you want to get unstuck and begin moving forward as a disciple who makes disciples, I encourage you to go to courses.dmmsfrontiermissions.com and sign up for this powerful program today. And now to today's episode. I am here with Fred Barrington, a good friend and colleague who I've worked with for many years. We've kind of started growing old together, Fred, I'd say. Um, You're not as old as I am, but we were young, just young leaders when we first started working together and God's done some great things through Fred. I so appreciate your friendship. And I appreciate you taking time to be here on the Dare to Multiply podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you, but let's just dive right in. Fred, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you, but those who are listening don't. And especially, how did you get interested in church multiplication and disciple multiplication, more planting more than just one church?
1: Yes, my name is Fred Barrington. I am South African living in South Africa and our journey started many years ago. Cindy, we've been together in many countries, uh, but we worked in the field in Mozambique for about 13 years. uh, When we were still young at university, I heard God's call to the nations. I joined YWAM and did a training and did a School of Frontier Missions. And on our School of Frontier Missions, there was someone training us in church planting movements, uh, which was really an exciting topic for me. Uh, I something stirred in my heart when I heard about churches planting churches. Uh, but the person that taught us never planted the church. He didn't have any experience.
0: <laughs> Oh wow! So we really? The,
1: <laughs> we had some of the idea, but we were so raw. You know, if we look back, ah, oh, we made so many mistakes there in the beginning, and um, just trying things. You know, and the good thing that we've been taught in YWAM since the beginning was hearing God's voice. That we mm-hmm. can hear God's voice. So by the grace of God, we we got into the right place with the right people. But I think there are a few things that I would say that that really made a difference for us in mm. in seeing not just one church plant, but see uh, a movement start. And and I have to say the movement only started after we left, you know. Um, but we had to put things in place, and I think one of the things was was a coach. We had some of the theory. But when uh, Brian Hogan, our friend, came and he visited us and he helped us adjust small things. We we were doing some things right, but we had to adjust small things to see more bright breakthroughs. Um, and then, uh, actually, <laughs> the biggest thing was that we had an opportunity to start over in a new place again after eight years. So all... The mistakes that we made and what we've learned in those first eight years, we basically learned what not to do. And then we had the opportunity to start again. But then mm-hmm. things like finding that right man of peace, um, uh, the, the word in the hands of the people, because by then we had audio Bibles and people had the Bible and, and we had more discovery, participative Bible studies. And that made a huge difference as well. But mm-hmm. so it took a lot of time. Uh, to see really the multiplication start. But I'm not, I don't worry about the time. I think in the beginning of the movement, that was so important for us in the worldview where we were that we spend time with people. So even with our team and the YWAM, as you know, uh, it took about 10 years to see that worldview really change about what church is, about the belief that God can use them, not being afraid of witchcraft and things like that. But mm-hmm. also to have the right team, locals that could be level partners with us and work together with us, that made a huge difference in terms mm-hmm. of seeing multiplication.
0: Wow. Well, I'm gonna just stop you for there there for a minute, because you're there's a lot of things that you've just said that I wanna highlight and <coughs> excuse me. Um <coughs> Put a, a little exclamation point on um, some of the things that you talked about. Was you you started? You were there for about eight years. You did a lot of things, learned a lot of lessons, but then you know you you started over again. So it was really your second attempt at starting a movement that that started to bear fruit, not your first attempt. Um, did I get that right?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's really interesting, right? Because a lot of us, you know, we hear about movements and the first few years, we don't necessarily see it take off. And then um, we feel discouraged and some people just quit, but you started over and you kept going, taking those lessons that you learned and moving forward with that. That's amazing. Um, You also talked about a person of peace, finding the person of peace. Do you want to unpack that just a little bit? For some people listening, that may be a new term
1: yes so a person of peace for me that is key in seeing a movement uh, mm. if if you can hear from God and, and the biblical examples uh, are so uh, are so many but I think of the story of the of the um, uh, Cornelius of Peter uh, and Peter was praying and he heard from God um, mm. and at the same time God stirred up Cornelius And he was a good man, but he still did not know Christ. Um, But Mm. God saw him. He raised him up. And then he connected Peter with this, what I would call the person of peace in the Roman community. He was an Italian. And when Peter got there, he already got his family and friends, his circle of influence together. Um, And that is the type of person we are looking for who's open to the gospel. Uh, Who's open to spiritual things? In the beginning, maybe they're not necessarily open to the gospel yet. Uh, Who is someone that will be able to teach others also? That's what 2 Timothy 2, 2 teaches us. What you've heard from me, Paul says to Timothy, entrust to reliable men. Who are those reliable, those faithful people? In whom you can invest so that they can invest into others. And that that was also a mind shift for us. We are not only making disciples, but we are making disciple makers. And how hmm. can you find those people that will open the doors for you in the community? A person that is open, a person that is hospitable. In the story of Luke 10, where Jesus sent out the 72, we see... They have to find this person of peace and say uh, peace be to this house. And and if that person is worthy of that peace, it will stay with him. So instead Mm -hmm. of just going door to door, Jesus taught them to find in the community that person that is open, that will be hospitable, host them. And then because transformation happens from the inside. And if you Mm -hmm. can have these insiders, people of influence, Uh, that you work with, and and they have the gospel in their hands, then the gospel goes quickly.
0: Right. So finding this key person, this person of peace who's interested in spiritual things, who welcomes you and wants to learn more and also gathers others to come and listen, was a really key part of you guys seeing a movement there uh, in in the area where you were working. Um, And one other thing you said kind of struck me, you said that Um, the movement started after you left, Um, you know, and that's humbling, right, for sure, but um, it shows that you built a really good foundation, and the DNA was put in for the multiplication that later took off. Um, You were seeing some multiplication before you left, but really that explosive or um multiplication that started spreading rapidly uh, really took off after you left. A question about that uh, is just do you think your leaving actually catalyzed greater multiplication or you know how have you interpreted that as you've thought about it?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. God actually gave us at that time the 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 word of Moses to Joshua, you know, uh, it's the next generation that that will see it happen and it, and it was like that. And I think sometimes If we are there and we take the lead, there's like a lid. Um, But when we move out, these Mozambicans in whom we invested, they could take up the leadership. They had different gifts. They were so much closer to the culture and in relationships and and understanding and and knowing the people. It went so much quicker after we left. And and they didn't realize they can lead it and, and God has prepared them. And it took time. You know, it took uh, 13 years walking with these people. It, it didn't just happen. Um, I remember one year I asked the Lord, Lord, what should I focus on this year? And I felt the Lord stir in my heart. It's not so much about what you do, but with whom are you doing it? So I mm-hmm. invested those first 10 years. Basically, basically, that's 13 years into basically three people. And it's through mm-hmm. them that movement started. You know, the worldview world we had to change. We had to build. And uh, laying that foundation is so important and spending time with the leaders. And more behind the scene, we were, we never became the pastors of the first church we planted or any church that we planted. Uh, we mm-hmm. invested into the leaders and what we taught them, they taught others.
0: Right. So you were investing in a few for you know very intensely and deeply and really multiplying yourself into them. And then when you left, they were able to multiply into many more. They were probably already doing that even before you left. But you talked about how sometimes as outsiders, we can be almost like a lid that that prevents things from moving forward because those uh, indigenous leaders don't take the lead that they are capable of taking when we are there and present. So really, really good insights there. Um, Yeah. What about after that? You worked hard. Um, These were some things that changed. What did you do different, let's say, in the first, in the second attempt, that was different from what you had done in the first one?
1: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I think understanding the culture was was a big thing. Because in the beginning, we started with a youth group, and that became a, a children's group, you know, but but in the culture, if things are important, it's taken to the leaders and the elders first. And because it was more like a children's group, people didn't really put value to the, to the gospel and, and what we did. I oh, know, that's for the children. But when we started over again and we purposefully built relationships with uh, the heads of households, with persons of peace, um, we saw the respect and the, the value in the gospel. Even though they were all Muslim, Um, uh, but the way we brought the gospel in a cultural understanding way, uh, was important. And that made a difference. Also, like I Mm. said, the word in the hands of people, Um, Mm. the the Africans are oral people. And when um, we had the audio Bible, it was amazing. Even my Muslim worker would, would Take the audio Bible and the whole day just listen to the Bible. These people, Mm. they would ride their bicycle with the audio Bible around their neck. They they listen to the Word. Even some of our leaders were illiterate people, but they knew the Bible better than me. You know, they were listening to the Bible all day, working in the field. We had a device with an, a solar panel at the back, and they would just put it out in the field and, and charge it and listen to the Bible. And, and that made a big difference. The, 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 the word in them, you know, and um, yeah, just Jesus, loving Jesus more, just by knowing him better through his word.
0: Right, right. Wow. So what I, the word that comes to my mind is saturated. They Mm. were getting saturated with the word of God as they're listening for hours and hours in the field or while they're riding their bicycle, this audio Bible and this soaking in the word of God started transforming and changing them. Um, and opening them to a different way, a different worldview. I'm curious, you know, audio Bibles are um, wonderful. I love them, but they're not always available to everyone who would want them, or, you know, sometimes they can be expensive. Um, Are there other ways that we can saturate an area in Africa in particular, since we're talking about Africa here today, with the Word of God? What other ways can we get that kind of saturation to happen.
1: Yeah, everybody does not have a smartphone these days. It's easier to get the audio Bible and to get Bibles uh, also in the hands of people. But um, storytelling is just an amazing tool. And and Africans are such good storytellers and their memory of remembering stories is amazing. And, And we've started to do that ourselves instead of reading the word, even in our discovery Bible study, to to memorize the story and tell it as a story. So Mm. if you can tell the Bible stories, and that's how Jesus did it. If we want to become more like Jesus, we need to become storytellers. Um, Mm. And we see that is such an effective tool. Because like I said, we, we worked amongst many people were illiterate where we were. And mm-hmm. and we used to say if it's not simply enough for a 12 year old or an illiterate person to understand, it's not uh, it, you're not there yet. You need mm-hmm. to simplify it more. So we try to use very simple tools with the Discovery Bible Study, but storytelling has become a key way of spreading the gospel. Everybody nice. loves the story.
0: Yeah, yeah, so good. And I know even with storytelling. Often, I've seen you do this, Fred, as we've trained together sometimes in Africa. You like to act out the stories. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because that's a lot of fun, and it it also catches, and people love it.
1: Yes, the way we do um, uh, our Discovery Bible studies is we we tell the story. So 70% of the Bible are stories, you know, and then Mm -hmm. we repeat it. And one way we love to repeat it is through drama because... When you do a drama, uh, many people are visual learners, and and then they put themselves in the story and they see it in a total different way. Um, mm. And yeah, our friends are very good actors. Yes, yeah, so um, they also enjoy it. And not just the children, even the adults. Or if some part of the group can act out the story, then they just understand it. The revelation is just just coming a different way if they see it played out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, God is doing exciting things in Africa today. Um, it's, it's really God's time for Africa. I think a lot of us sense that and for Africans. And I wanted to mention that today, you know, God is doing great things in Africa, but he's also doing great things through Africans in the nations. And, um, you know, the Africans who have immigrated to Europe or to the West, to America, Um, God has some really amazing things that he's beginning to do through them. And um, I just believe now is just really the season for Africa. Um, Do you agree with me? And what would you say is God doing in Africa that you're excited about?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I, I teach quite a bit. I train in different places and everywhere I go. I challenge when I challenge people for the unreached and for the nations, Africans put up their hands. It's like mm. this field is, is right now uh, mm. for workers from Africa. And, and the problem is not with the harvest. Jesus said, look, the harvest is, is ripe. Uh, we need to pray. The problem, the harvest is plentiful. The problem is the mm. workers and now we see people putting up their hands and we still uh finding you know we we need to find answers still for resources and to to help these guys get personal support to go but people are ready to go and not only that uh, god is preparing in the most difficult places the hardest unreached people groups, suddenly We see breakthroughs. We see people, dreams and visions. So many Muslims are coming to the Lord through healings and through dreams. And um, God is revealing himself. We just heard a story now in, in Uganda about the Tuareg in the desert. And they see a man on a white horse. And then another group saw this man in the white horse and trying to find out who it is. And then they see he carries a book and it says, "Isa" on the book, you know, Jesus. And, wow. and they get to the past and ask who is this man? And, and God is just revealing himself to people. To uh, there are many bad things happening and there are many bad examples <laughs> of, of church also, but the Holy spirit is moving in a new way. What what I describe it is we see small fires everywhere. And very mm. soon it will become a blazing fire. Um, mm. we we see people come to the Lord that has been hardened for the gospel. Key people groups like the Somali, like the Yao, like people who travel, people who are respected by others uh, are coming to the Lord and 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 the gospel is spreading.
0: Wow. Wow, that's so amazing. I would love to hear, and I know those who are listening, at least one more story. Of something that you know has been happening, maybe a recent story you've heard of one of those breakthroughs in a hard-to-reach area. Do you have a story to share with us?
1: Yeah, there are many stories in Tanzania. We are seeing breakthroughs in Malawi, in Madagascar. Um, what's happening in Madagascar is just a wonderful thing, where where God is using. Um, simple healthcare, So they go to places and they start helping the people to help themselves in terms of health care. And they Mm -hmm. organize the people in the village and they have to build the structure of the clinic. And together with the government, it is uh, a a place in helping the people with health care. And then Mm -hmm. through that, uh, they also reach the people with the gospel and start sharing the gospel. And we're seeing trans- communities transform. And now with that movement, now we see uh, the people within the movement say, but there are other people groups in Madagascar, in the South uh, that have not heard the gospel. And they are taking the gospel again uh, to new places. But wow. uh, dreams and visions, there are so many stories. And, and, and even persecution. And through the persecution, uh, in northern Mozambique now, um, there are persecution in villages. And, and we have these young people that are being chased out of their villages, but they go back and share the gospel mm. again. Wow. Uh, houses are being burned, but they go back and share the gospel again. People standing up for their faith. and uh, And it is just an amazing thing in northern Mozambique now. Uh, We see witch doctors come to Jesus. We see chiefs come to Jesus. We see imams come to Jesus. Uh, The gospel is flowing.
0: Wow. My faith is growing just hearing you talk about that. I hope those who are listening... That they're getting stirred up. God is moving. God is doing great things. And it's an exciting time, especially if you're an African who's listening. I hope you're encouraged. God is using Africans and he's doing amazing things around you. Um, and he's going to do even more. But I, I also want to touch on some of the challenges, um, Fred, if you would. It's uh, it's easy to tell the glory stories sometimes. And we I like to talk about those. But there are some real challenges, and what do you think are some of the unique challenges? Maybe to Africans and to uh, those who are working in Africa. What are some of the biggest challenges that you see people facing, or maybe that you've faced yourself as well?
1: Yeah, um, I I think uh, you know many times we we have. a a foreign expression of the gospel we see on television or we see in big churches, you know, and it is uh, a Western culture expression of Christianity. Um, But (laughs) many times it's not very deep and there's such a lack of discipleship. And I think that's one of the major challenges is a lack of discipleship. Physically, it's not getting easier either. You know, Uh, it's like the easy places have been taken. <laughs> if you want to reach the unreached, it is not easy. But God is raising up people that are that have faith, uh, that are that are strong that can do it. And 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 you know for us, we were we just simple people and and when we went, it, it was tough, you know, when when our child had malaria four times before he was 1 years old. Um, It it was a tough time. But in those times, in those challenging times, uh, Paula didn't blame me and say, oh, where did you bring me to? Because we didn't come, we didn't go to Mozambique before we heard from God. And we wrote down those words of the Lord and those verses that God gave us. And and Mm -hmm. we could reflect back on that. (laughs) And I think perseverance is one of the things that are really needed. And, and the Muslims are not our enemies. You know, many times mm-hmm. our perception of who the people are that we want to reach. And and tribalism is still a big thing in, in Africa. And, and mm-hmm. what we see in many places where the gospel penetrated, God blesses a people group. The people become affluent. Uh, they develop. Beautiful things are happening, but then instead of them sharing and 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 helping other tribes that have not had the gospel, they look down and, and despise other people. And and mm. there's such a history of that, and we need to break through those cultural things if we really want to see the gospel spread in Africa. It is not a foreign gospel, but it mm. is an indigenous gospel. And we have wonderful stories about that the, uh, when we were in Mozambique
0: yeah well do you want to share one of those what tell us one of those stories
1: yeah i think um when we redeemed the worship and the funeral because death is so central in the worldview of animism where you pass on to ancestorhood uh, so the funeral that we could redeem that and 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 the way we could uh yeah have worship that is indigenous and then also the initiation um, where the elders of the church took the boys to the bush. And instead of teaching witchcraft, they could teach them the Bible stories. But it took time to see these things redeemed, and not through us as the foreigners, but, but the local people. But let me, let me tell you about the worship. We purposefully did not translate um, heel songs or, or foreign songs to the people, but we gave them the audio word, uh, the Bibles, and we encouraged them to make their own songs. And God gave these two brothers a gift to be able to put the, the Yao music uh, to song, you know, and they would just chant in their way, in their cultural way, uh, these Yao songs to the Lord. And it was so beautiful. And and when we had our first Yao conference where these believers came together, they started to put their traditional dance with mm. the and it was real young, you know. <laughs> and mm-hmm. when they did that, and they would stomp their feet all at the same time. It was a dust floor. And the, when they stomp their feet, the dust would just rise in the air. And as the the dust rose, the Spirit of God just came down in that place. Tears just rolled down my eyes. You know, it was it's such a beautiful expression of, of their worship. Not worshiping like in my culture. We didn't mm-hmm. try for them to be South Africans and even South African instruments to use that, but that they as Yao's can worship God. and wow. and And then it became indigenous. People saw this is something different. This is something we want.
0: Mm-hmm. So there was a lot greater sense of ownership of the message of the gospel because it was expressed mm-hmm. in a way that was theirs, it wasn't brought from the outside, it wasn't translated and even adapted, mm-hmm. but it was created from inside the the indigenous people themselves um, mm-hmm. from just scripture, uh, taking scripture and then adding the dance to it. That's so beautiful. And um, yeah, how, how did that help things expand? I mean, it was beautiful. It's so obvious it's God's heart, but how did it actually help things grow?
1: I think when the people understood that um, this is this is the way they can connect to God this is who God made them and and I think the funeral and maybe I can just share a bit of that story because that's when the real breakthrough came where because the Christian tribes put people into coffins, which is not in the bible in any case it's a cultural thing but the Yaws were very afraid of the coffin because they had this belief that on the resurrection day you won't be able to get out if you buried in a coffin you know so they oh, had wow. a cultural way of putting a person in a cloth and buried uh, in a like a little chamber um, in the in the grave they had a certain way of of burying people. And, and for them, it's important about how you are buried.
0: <laughs> yeah. mm.
1: So uh, with the cleansing and, and all of that, and when the first believer died, instead of the believers following the other Christian traditions uh, of the other Christian tribes, they put the person in a cloth. They washed the body without the witchcraft and things. And um, they buried the person in a proper yowl. And when that happened, there was like a breakthrough. People said, Mm -hmm. but they can also bury people. And because the imams used to scare the people and and threaten them and say, if you die, we will not bury you. And I mean, Mm -hmm. we tried to tell people it's not about your body and all of that, but they were not satisfied. But just that Mm -hmm. simple cultural change um, Mm -hmm. started to help people being open to the gospel and the expression, the cultural expression of uh, the worship that made it attractive now this is not a foreign gospel uh mm-hmm. god loves uh, us as the yeah and 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 then more people became interested in the gospel we lowered the barriers for people to come in
0: mm-hmm. and, and i the love biblical
1: standard but just the cultural way of doing things.
0: right right i love that you said that phrase we lowered the barriers and um, you know Jesus was so adamant about that. He said, you know, don't create barriers. Don't create extra things that you tie around millstones around people's neck that that prevent them. Uh, regulations and rules that keep people from coming to me. You know, he he was really passionate about that topic. And you know, when he spoke about that, so I love that you use that phrase, lower the barriers. And the way that we can lower them is through that. Uh, culturally appropriate worship um, adapting or redeeming is the word you used um, different ceremonies and making it theirs uh, So a church that's started or a disciple making group started in a Muslim context is going to look quite different from one maybe in a Christian context isn't it it's it's not going to look the same. And, um, it probably shouldn't look the same if it's going to spread and grow, so so good. Um, you know, a lot of people who are listening are you know, get excited about hearing these things, but they might be thinking in their mind, Muslims are hard to reach they're they're a difficult people group. I'm afraid to reach out to them. Maybe even in some of their countries, they've had Muslims kill Christians or you know bomb areas where christians have been killed maybe even people they know um you know even in my country in the us there were attacks you know by muslim terrorists on our nation um so can you speak to that a little bit do you do you think muslims are hard to reach or what has been your experience with that
1: i think if you put the wrong bite on <laughs> uh, you you won't catch the fish you know i think the way we've tried to reach muslims uh, have not worked. <laughs> so maybe if we go and look at the Bible again um, uh, and we do things in a different way, um, then maybe we will see more results. And and that happened for us. You know, of those first 20 Muslims that came to Jesus in our village, only one of them came to the Lord through a dream. All of the mm-hmm. others, all of them came to the Lord through the love of a believer. Someone walking the extra mile. It was not about uh, using the right words or or any of those things. It was loving them, and that is the powerful tool that we have is love. If we can love these people, they are not our enemies. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spirits um, that hold these people captive. And most Muslims are just ordinary people. And if we can love them, if we can share the word with them, and I find uh, people are actually very open to spiritual conversations, I had an argument with my friend Abdul. And uh, so he's trying to find out what church are you from, you know, that's, that's something they want to know. And then, uh, because then they don't listen to you. And I try to avoid the question. I say, No, I follow e Salmasi, I follow Jesus. And, and then he said, no, but Jesus is our prophet. And I said, uh, he follows Jesus. And I said, no, I'm following Jesus. And he said, no, he's following Jesus. <laughs> 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 these people are open to spiritual things. And if we can do it not through argument, I think many times we try to argue, and I've not seen a Muslim come to Jesus yet through argument. We create these divisions. And, and it doesn't work. And yes, if someone wants to come to Christ, they have legitimate questions. But do it one-on-one, you know, make friends, love the people. Um, and uh, we used sport. We used different platforms to be able to connect with real people. And by loving them, we saw many of them come to Christ. So mm-hmm. if you say it's, it's impossible for a Muslim to come to Christ or it, it, it doesn't work, it tells me more about your belief in who God is than who you believe Muslims are. Because for God, nothing is impossible. And the harvest is right. There are people in every people group God. We thought when we go, we're bringing God to these people. But when we got there, we found God was already there. He was already at work. In many people's lives, He already prepared people. And uh, we just need to see where God is working and join Him in what He's doing. It's not us bringing Jesus to these people
0: absolutely well i love i love what you're saying Fred it, it reminds me of some of the mindset shifts in my new book that's coming out in September the multipliers mindset um, one of them open you know that the, the the harvest is ripe and people are open we just might need to change how we reach them you you, you use the phrase um, if you put the wrong bait on you won't get the fish or you won't catch the fish and so we may need to change our bait we may need to change our way of fishing um our approach but people are open god is at work and certainly the the harvest fields are ripe among muslims today all across the world among immigrants um in the west as well as among uh, those who are there in africa or other parts of the middle east and places like that um Boy, this time has gone fast. We just have a couple more minutes, but um, I want to ask about quitting. You know, you you mentioned the word perseverance, and I just wonder: Have did you ever want to give up? Did you ever want to quit in this journey towards multiplication and movements and? Um, if you did how did you handle that or what helped you to get through that hard part eight years 13 years of not yet seeing the movement really take off um yeah
1: anything valuable has a high price on it so mm-hmm. if you want to see uh, great things happen you will have to to make the sacrifice god put Pours out his fire on sacrifice. You know? <laughs> and that's not easy. So, um, but for us, writing down the words of the Lord for us, you know, for us creating that um, uh, ha- those habits of daily spending time with the Lord. Um, and it was hard in the beginning. It was so much spiritual darkness. It was even hard to have quiet time. But to have yeah. that, and yes, we missed some days, but that habit of spending time with the Lord each day and being since sustained, and out of your relationship with the Lord, that's where ministry flows from. Also, to make friends with the local people, not just the foreigners, really helped us to bond with the people, to love the, the people on the, on the ground, and to be able to stay longer times. And there were many difficult things, but but holding on to the word of the Lord, you know, and then also checking ourselves because many times when we want to persevere it's it's our attitude or our selfishness and 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 those verses in the word that really that god spoke to me that picture of in the last days that there will be people from every tongue and tribe and nation Uh, so how can be part of that how can we share the gospel where jesus mm-hmm. said to all his disciples go and make disciples of all nations if i want to be Jesus' disciple i need to be part of that it's not mm-hmm. about we can't take anything to heaven except for souls and mm-hmm. and how can we take more people with and um, and you know john 3 30 uh, i uh, he needs to become more and i need to become less how how can I just be so saturated with the Lord that it's not about my desires and, and, and my things? And if you look at the word, suffering was so much part nor- of normal life, <laughs> what we see as suffering. Uh, but actually, yeah, we so focused on our own comfort. So it's not easy. Mm-hmm. But what do you want to do with your life? I mean, you have one life to live. Oh, don't waste it on yourself if you have one candle to burn why do you why would you burn it when there's already light can not burn it in the darkness
0: mm-hmm. love that love that yeah it is a challenge it is a sacrifice i love what you said about god pours his fire out on sacrifice and that is kind of a, a counter-cultural thought especially for christian africa i think there's been so much teaching on, um, you know, become a Christian, follow God, and God's going to bless you, and he's going to prosper you, and you're going to have so much wonderful things in your life. And to say that, no, the, there's a cost involved in obeying him and being his disciple. Um, it's not necessarily the norm of what is taught, at least in some churches in Africa. Would, would you agree? Or do you want to speak to that at all?
1: No, absolutely. I think you said it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, there is a price to pay, but it's worth it. You know, when I sat there with Mr. Maduka on his grass mat, after going back after many years, and and I told him, uh, by now he had cataracts, and and he couldn't see and I just sympathised with him. And I said, Mr. Maduka, I'm so sorry that you cannot see. He grabbed me by the shoulder. He said, No, no. I couldn't see before you came. Now I can see. I can see Jesus. I can see into heaven, and you know mm-hmm. I just had to swallow a lump in my throat. And the first thought that came to my mind was, it was worth it. You know, all those suffering and 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 persevering and and not having it easy, it was worth it because today it's not only really Mr. Maduka, but there are thousands of yah that are loving Jesus and that are following Jesus, and it's not mm-hmm. us. We had a very small part to play. Mm-hmm.
0: Glory be to God. Yeah. And tell us lastly, as we wrap up, what, where, what is the status of the movement that you guys initiated there? Where are things at? How many generations or what, where is it at right now?
1: Yeah. So actually, there are two movements now of two uh, different disciples and there's a third place. Uh, where some other people went also amongst the Yahu. So it's absolutely something God is doing amongst the Yahu. Some of those strongholds are breaking. Uh, But yeah, it's difficult to say numbers, you know, um, uh, because we we can't keep up counting. But when we were there in October now, there are 200 fellowships out of those two that we left there at that time. Now there are 200, you know, uh, at least. And uh, more than 2,000 disciples. And that's very conservative counting. Um, mm. And that's just on the Mozambican side. In Malawi side, it's even more. You know, Joseph estimates it can be 5,000. So, um, And then in the north, where Sergio and them went, yeah, there's maybe already, uh, yeah, third-generation disciples. Yeah, they, the movement is continuing to grow. And now it's leaders coming to the Lord. So it's going to explode even more.
0: Wow. Wow. So you're 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 seeing now around 2000, all from or majority from Muslim backgrounds in one area, yes. about 5000 in another, more in another and is continuing to grow. Um, I know that brings great joy to your heart, but how much more? God must be just smiling, saying, Fred, I'm so glad you stuck with it. I'm so glad you didn't give up. And you kept going, you and Paula, and you you persevered. And when it failed in one place, you tried in another. And um, that I hope that encourages people's hearts and that they hear that. Keep trying. Keep going. Don't give up. Um, learn from your mistakes and, you know, give it another attempt in a new area because God will bless it and he will move as you are faithful. And thank you, Fred, for your faithfulness to the Lord in that part of Africa, and as you continue to lead and train so many now. Um, any last uh, encouragement or word that you'd like to speak to people as we finish today?
1: Yeah, just on what you're saying now, when we left there after 13 years, you know, in Mozambique, there were only 20 believers. And we have really felt discouraged. We felt, what did we actually do? We came here to see a movement, and now there are so few believers um, but we really felt God encouraging us it's not about numbers it's about faithfulness and mm-hmm. and that's what I want to hear one day in heaven well done good and faithful servant you know I had my part to play to invest my life into three people and a few more you know along the way but um, just to be faithful with the few that we have and that's how, how multiplication happens this is this is, this is what we do. You know? So keep on going. Don't give up. Hear from the Lord. Go to that place. Uh, and we are going to see more things happening in, in, in the next decade. I tell you, we're in a new season now where things are going to explode. Uh, the, the easy places have been taken. There are not a lot of unreached people groups left. So you need to get there. Do something with your life.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Well, once again, thanks so much. and. Um, Yeah, keep going, you guys. God's got great things ahead for you. Thank you so much, Fred, for being with us.
1: Thank you, Cindy, for the opportunity. Bless you.
0: Making disciples and sharing Jesus with those around you can be difficult. We need help to keep our faith alive as we step out to do new things. Faith to Move Mountains, stirring our faith to believe for movements among the unreached is a 30-day devotional that will encourage your heart and build your faith. In it, I and my co-author, Kevin Sutter, share a scripture, a story, and a challenge each day from years of frontline experience working in tough places. Like I said, making disciples can be hard, progress is often slow, and breakthroughs seem distant. This devotional will kickstart your faith for a movement of disciples in your area. Grab a copy on Amazon.com today. What an encouraging talk I just had with Fred. Amazing, what God is doing in Africa. Well, here's a few of the takeaways. Investing in a few disciples bears fruit over the long haul. Uh, Investing in many in the beginning may not be as fruitful, but if you find those key people and really go deep in relationship with them, that will pay off and they will see much greater multiplication as a result. Another thing I heard him saying was that finding local friends and partners is really key and culturally relevant worship, indigenous worship created by the people in their own style, in their own language, can really, really spread far and also give them that sense of ownership. I also loved how he was talking about how many Muslims come to Christ, not only through dreams and visions, which we hear about, but through the love the genuine love of a believer nearby them, that love speaks louder than a lot of our words. And we certainly don't want to be arguing about the gospel with Muslims, but we want to love them and love them genuinely, and that there is a cost to pay. He also talked about the sacrifice, that God pours out his fire on sacrifice. There's a cost to seeing multiplying movements released, but that it's worth it it's worth it. It's worth it today. And it's going to be worth it in the end when we stand before the Lord. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And the last thing that I want to point out that I was a takeaway for me is just, again, a restating of the fact that it's not about numbers. We want to see a lot of people come to Christ. We want to see the numbers, but it's not about numbers and especially not about how many you have today but it's about being faithful and obeying the word of the Lord. And we want to celebrate that. We want to um, continue to be faithful. So here's my action step for you. As you leave this podcast today, I want to ask you to pray for Africa. I want you to ask you, I want to ask you to pray for more movements to be released in Africa, especially among our Muslim brothers and sisters, or as we like to call them, our cousins or our neighbors. Um, God loves Muslims. He loves all of us. They were created in His image and he is pouring out his spirit among them. Let's pray that this will grow and increase. And if you have a friend or a neighbor or somebody around you who is a Muslim Find a way to express genuine love and friendship to them this week. God bless you guys. We'll see you back in the next podcast episode. That's all we've got for this episode of the Dare to Multiply podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you tune in to listen. Also, make sure to link up with us at DMSfrontiermissions.com slash blog on social media. And please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Until next time, remember, God's dreams for us are always bigger than we can imagine.